In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow is November 15th. It marks the beginning of our Christmas fast. It marks the beginning of our preparation for our journey to Bethlehem, to that cave where God himself becomes one of us and lays in that manger. I think it's good that when we embark on a journey, that we know where we're going and why we're going there. I think it's important that as we begin the fast tomorrow, that we know why we are fasting. Who is it that we are preparing to greet? Who is it that we are awaiting? What great event that has changed the entire cosmos is about to take place in Bethlehem in that cave, that cave that dwells and holds the uncontainable one, God himself. And so I'd like to take this opportunity today to reflect upon what Christmas really means. For many of us, it's a delightful day. We gather with our families, with our children and grandchildren, and it is good to do so. We gather with them and we give gifts to one another. Perhaps already we have begun our Christmas shopping, or at least have placed in our head and in our mind that we need to do so. And we're buying gifts for others to show our love. But there is a gift above all gifts that abounds and transforms the entire cosmos, that transforms this world, that has transformed you and I, and has transformed death itself, that we are preparing to receive anew once again on this Christmas day. Let's look at part of the sermon of St. John Chrysostom that he delivered on Christmas day. Let us contemplate for a little while upon his words and upon what he tells us takes place in that cave in Bethlehem, what is transformed in that dark and cold place where the animals were just recently dwelling and where the mother of God, the holy Theotokos, gives birth to God himself in the flesh. St. John writes, Behold a new and wondrous mystery. Behold a new and wondrous mystery. All join to praise this holy feast. Listen to what he says. Beholding the Godhead on earth, the very God who was untouchable, unseeable, unknowable, whom the great Moses himself could not look upon lest he would die, is now on earth. And he says, not only is God on earth, but man is in heaven. He who is above, meaning God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, now for our redemption dwells here below. And that he that was lowly is by divine mercy raised. And we're the ones who were lowly. We were the ones who were cast out of paradise. 
And because of that birth in that cave, paradise is open once again for us. That cave becomes an entrance into the kingdom of heaven for us. John continues to write, Bethlehem this day resembles heaven. Hearing from the stars the singing of the angelic voices and in place of the sun enfolds within itself on every side the sun of justice. The sun, meaning Jesus Christ. And ask not how, for where God wills the order of nature yields. For he willed, he had the power, he descended, he redeemed all things that yielded in obedience to God. God himself in this event becomes one of us. Let us continue to hear how John helps us understand why this is such a great and transforming event. This day, he who is born and he who is, meaning that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the divine Logos, the one who created this very world and this cosmos, the one who said to Moses when asked, what shall I tell the people your name is? He told him, I am who I am. And here John makes reference to this. The very one who is, the I am, the very God who created everything is now this day born as a child in Bethlehem, in that cave of the Holy Virgin Mary and of God. And he goes on to say, he became man yet not departing from his Godhead, that is his, meaning that when God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, became that little babe in the manger, he was one person, still fully God, and yet also fully man. And John goes on to say, not yet by any loss of divinity he became man, nor through increase he became, increase became he God for man, but being the Word, the divine Logos, the one who created this world by his voice, he became flesh, his nature because of impassibility remained unchanged. The great mystery in Jesus Christ is that he is one person with two natures, fully God and fully human at the same time. John goes on to write, what shall I say to you? What shall I tell you? I behold a mother who has brought forth. I see a child with capital C for child, meaning God, come to this light by birth. The manner of his conception I cannot, I cannot comprehend. And John says, I cannot comprehend because it is not a, a birth by which we understand the conception. You and I understand how babies are born, but this child is radically different because it has no human father. And John goes on to say, nature here rested while the will of God labored Oh, ineffable grace, 
the only begotten, say this in our creed, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is begotten of the Father, not born. Only begotten who is before all the ages, who cannot be touched or perceived, who is simple without body, has now put on a body that is visible and liable to corruption. For what reason? John states, for what reason? That coming among us, here is John's answer, that coming among us he may teach us, and teaching lead us by his hand to the things that men cannot see. For since men believe that the eyes are more trustworthy than the ears, they doubt of that which they do not see. And so he, with a capital H meaning God, so he has deigned to show himself in bodily presence that he may remove all doubt so that you and I may see and understand God himself. What shall I say? And how shall I describe this birth to you? For this wonder fills me with astonishment. The great John, the golden mouth, perhaps the greatest preacher of all time, of all history, says he is filled with astonishment at this birth, as you and I ought to be. He goes on to say, the ancient of days, another name for God, the ancient of days, meaning the one before all time, has become an infant. Listen to John's words. The one who is ageless, the one who always is, the one who has existed from all eternity, today becomes a babe, a child in that manger. He who sits upon the sublime and heavenly throne now lies in a manger, a manger meant for animals. That is how great our God's love is for us. And he who cannot be touched, who is simple, without complexity and incorporeal, now lies subject to the hands of men. God himself, who is above all and creates all, allows himself not only to be touched by you and I, but to ultimately be crucified upon that cross so that he might save us. And John goes on to write, for this he assumed my body, our body, that I may become capable of his word. John tells us God became one of us so that we might understand him, so that we would know him. John continues, taking my flesh, he gives me his spirit. John speaks for each of us when he says of mine or me. So taking my flesh, he gives me his spirit. And every one of us were gifted with his spirit after we were immersed in that baptismal font and we were sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit in that chrism. And so he bestowing and I receiving. God gives and you and I receive. He prepares for me the treasure of life, the greatest gift of all. God has given us this Christmas day. 
And so he bestowing and I receiving, he prepares for me the treasure of life. He takes my flesh to sanctify me. He gives me his spirit that he may save me. Come then, let us observe this feast. Truly wondrous. This feast is perhaps the wondrous of all feasts that God himself could become one of us. Truly wondrous is the whole chronicle of the nativity, John writes. For this day the ancient slavery is ended. In the Old Testament, those who died were sent into Hades, to Sheol, the place of darkness, the pit, where Satan held them captive. And mankind was held slavery to sin and death. And for this the ancient slavery is ended, the devil confounded, the demons take to flight, the power of death is broken, paradise is unlocked once again. You and I are able to enter paradise because of the birth of this child. The curse is taken away, sin is removed from us, error is driven out, truth has been brought back, the speech of kindliness diffused and spreads on every side, and a heavenly way of life has been implanted on the earth. The kingdom of heaven itself is present here and now on earth. In this divine liturgy we say that we participate in heaven itself, in the heavenly kingdom, and we worship and praise God with the heavenly hosts together in this temple. And he goes on to say, angels communicate with men without fear, and men now hold speech with angels. Why is this? St. John again asks us a rhetorical question so that we might understand. Why is this? Because God is now on earth and man is in heaven. Death has become a passage from this world to the kingdom of heaven because of the birth of that child in the manger in the cave in Bethlehem. Because God is now on earth and man is in heaven, and on every side all things commingle. He became flesh. He did not become God. He was God, wherefore he became flesh. The child in the manger, that old heresy, thinking that that child was somehow or another so blessed by God that he made him his son. No. He was his son from all eternity, and the son of the living God came and took on our flesh and dwelt in that manger. God himself lowered himself to take on our flesh and to become one of us. Wherefore he became flesh, so that he whom heaven did not contain, a manger would this day receive. The cave becomes heaven. The earth is transformed. He was placed in a manger so that he whom by all things are nourished may receive an infant's food from his virgin mother. So the father of all ages, the very creator of this world and cosmos, as an infant at the breast of Mary, 
nestles in her virginal arms that the Magi may more easily see him. And not only the Magi, but that you and I may see Christ and know him. We depict him in iconography because he has become one of us. We depict God, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of the living God in iconography precisely because he became one of us. We do not depict God the Father, and we show the Holy Spirit simply as a symbol. But the Son of the living God this day becomes one of us, and we see him, and we touch him, and we participate of his very body and blood, and we become brothers and sisters of his by adoption. And therefore, because of this wondrous event, you and I see God, and God dwells in us, and he dwells in this temple. We touch and we see him, and he is in our very presence. And today we become his sons and daughters. We become children of the living God, children of the light, because the light himself has become one of us and lies in that dark cave in Bethlehem and fills all the world with light and with hope and with life and paradise is open again. This is the journey we begin tomorrow. We begin the fast to prepare to meet God himself, become one of us and dwelling in his flesh so that we may become one with him. He takes on flesh that we might exist for all eternity in the kingdom of heaven. So as we begin to prepare for Christmas, it is not only about running around shopping for gifts and the hurry and the bustle and all of those things that go along with us trying to show our love for each other. But let us make room in this fast, in this 40 days, to prepare for the coming of God himself and to receive with an open heart and an open mind and open eyes and ears to see what God himself has done for us and the greatest gift of all history, that God himself loves us so much that he makes us his children. Amen.